As you dive into this teaching from High Point Church, we pray that it will help you grow in your faith as you believe in, belong to, and become more like Jesus. If these messages bless you, would you consider giving back in support of this ministry? You can give and learn more about High Point at www.highpoint.church. Hey, did you know something? Let's try this again. Do you know that when we clap before the message, do you know that we are not clapping for the teacher of God's word? We are are clapping for the teaching of God's word. Is anybody, oh, no, 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 don't, don't get all excited now. I'm just gonna walk off the stage. I'm gonna put my Bible back on them. We're gonna pretend we're excited for the teaching of God's word. Does that sound good? I'm gonna come up here. I'm gonna put my Bible down. Are you excited for the teaching of God's word this morning? Oh, good. I'm glad you're awake because we're going back to school today. We're continuing our series, Essentials. And we've been going back to school talking about the essentials of the Christian faith. What, what are the most important parts of this walk with Jesus that we're on. And I know over the past couple of weeks, the kids have been going back to school. Everybody's getting ready for the fall. All the parents said, amen. We had a good summer, but it's time. Get out of the house, get back to school. So as we get started today, let me take us to science class. We don't go to science class very often in church. It's said that in the human body, you have 37.2 trillion cells in your body. There are over 200 different types of cells. And what happens is those cells in your body, they, they multiply and they replicate themselves at such a pace that every single day your body is multiplying and replicating, catch this, 330 billion cells a day. That means at that rate that every single second, the way that God designed you, that you are replicating and multiplying cells at 3.8 billion or million cells a day. Second, isn't it crazy that God, as he designed you in science, as it discovered it, created with you as part of the essential of human life, this thing of multiplication, of replication, even within your own physical body. It's an amazing thing. Now I got to have a little disclaimer here. I took zero science classes in college, but it was like on the internet. So I'm sure it's true. So go fact check it. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, But hey, here's our question for today. Our question for today is this. Even as God has designed us that way in our physical form, what is God calling you and me to do when it comes to this idea of multiplication and replication? That we're sitting here today because somebody made some deposits and some investments and multiplied themselves into you. What's our job in that? What's God's job in that? Well, that's what we're going to answer today. And we're going to find out very quickly that this idea of spiritual multiplication, it is the calling that God has on your life, whether you know it or not. Grab your Bible if you have it. Grab your phone if you have it. Flip open the Bible app or the High Point app and turn to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. Let me show you where we've been in this essential series. Today we're talking about multiplying the ministry. But here's where we've been. We started with Christianity 101. In Christianity 101, we talked about following the call. Hey, we gotta make a decision to follow Jesus. And then we went to Christianity 201, joining in on the mission. This is not a spectator sport. Uh, we talked last weekend about sharing the message, that we have a message to bring to the world around us. Today, we're talking about multiplying the ministry. And next week, we're going to wrap up our series by talking about how do you maximize the movement of God because God is on the move in your life and in the church. God's on the move around the world. 
So Matthew chapter 10, let's get started there. These are what's called the sending out texts where Jesus takes his disciples, his apostles, and he's been preparing them. He's been equipping them. And he said, hey, it's time to go. It's time to get on mission. Here's what Jesus says to them. Matthew chapter 10, starting in verse five. These 12 Jesus sent out instructing them, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans. We already got a couple of head scratchers here. We'll unpack that. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and proclaim as you go saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. What's that all about? We'll get into it. You received without paying, give without pay. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts, no bag for your journey, or two tunics or sandals or a staff, for the laborer deserves his food. And whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, do this, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. If it's not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will receive, will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet. When you leave the house or town, truly I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Behold, I am sending you out. Look at the warning here. Get ready, church. I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Uh, Today, I wanna unpack it like this, what I'm calling the five markers of ministry multiplication. Like what are the identifiers? What are the markers of ministry multiplication? And the first marker is this, the the multiplication, it's strategic. We see it right away from the beginning that it has to have a plan. We have to know where we're going. I'll say like this, multiplication doesn't just happen by osmosis. It's not just happening because we're getting together and we're hanging out with our buddies and maybe we're rubbing shoulders with some people and somehow we'll look more and more like Jesus. Community is great, but strategic community is where this multiplication takes place. So look at Jesus's plan. Let's put up verse five. It starts with this. These 12 Jesus sent out. Now, maybe when I just read it a moment ago, you skipped over this part. Okay, I get it. There were 12 disciples. Jesus sent them out. These 12 Jesus sent out. Sometimes when I read the Bible, I like to just wonder, I mean, what, what's, what's really going on here? I mean, what was the context? I mean, what was it like to be with Jesus? What were they, what were they talking about? What questions did they have? I, I wonder when we see these 12 sent out, like if any of the apostles were, we're bold enough to kind of be like, pull Jesus to the side, and I'm just speculating here, but pull Jesus to the side and be like, hey, um, Jesus, I, didn't, I, I mean, I didn't want to disrespect you in front of the other guys, but like, I've just been looking at this marketing strategy for this Christianity thing. And the idea that, that we're gonna get this thing out into all these towns and, and eventually around the globe, and, and we're gonna scale the name of Jesus because through Jesus, life transformation takes place. I think we're a little short-staffed for the mission, Jesus. I don't know. I'm just kidding, but he sent 12. And here's what is happening here. What we saw Jesus do time and time and time again is Jesus invested deeply in a few. Jesus invested his life. He multiplied himself deeply into a few people. In fact, out of these 12, there were three, Peter, James, and John, that got a whole nother level of experience with Jesus, a whole nother level of deposit from Jesus. They would have known him intimately Jesus didn't start getting the message out with the masses and and the stadium. And 
these 12 Jesus sent out. And here's why, because it's easy in our day and age, we can reach thousands of people if we want to. I'm joking about marketing, but if we want to get a little digital marketing going, if we want to put a few dollars behind it, we could probably get whatever message that we want to get out there, put it out on social media, put it out on YouTube, put it out on the internet. But here's the problem. While we can reach thousands, the investment that Jesus made, if you really want to have multiplication, if you really want to see lives from one person to another person, one generation to another generation, it takes deep intimate, relational investment. And that's what Jesus is modeling for us. I love uh, reading leadership books or listening to, to podcasts and how are people growing things and, and what's going on in our world and, and new businesses and what our church is doing. I love, I love reading all of that. But the interesting thing is, every time I hear a new principle in leadership, do you know what I think? I'm like, oh yeah, Jesus actually did that. This is not a new principle. I feel like I can trace just about every leadership principle back to something that Jesus said or that Jesus modeled. And we know this, that if we want to move the needle forward, if you want to see in your family your kids grow up if you have kids, if you oversee some people at the office and you want to see their development grow, if you want to build a real true friendship and relationship that's meaningful, what do you need to do? You need to know them. You need to invest deeply and relationally in a few. And interestingly enough, those of you in management, management experts will say something along the lines of, uh, for the people you're managing at work, depending on what line of work you're in, the average person might have the capacity to manage somewhere around 12 people. That's just a freebie for today. Why am I saying all that? Jesus modeled from the beginning, if we want to get this thing, this investment, we're talking today about how we multiply ministry, that it's not going to necessarily start with the masses. We'll get there in a moment. It's going to start with the 12. It's going to start with the few. But then what are the first instructions? I mean, okay, we're going to be sent out. What is he telling them to do? Go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. All right, that same disciple pulls him Hey, um, Jesus, I thought, I thought we were trying to get this thing like out. So why are you restricting where we're going and say, don't talk to those people and don't go into that town? What is, what is he saying? Well, it's important to note here in Matthew 10 that these are not actually our instructions. Why are they not our instructions? Now, we're going to glean a lot of principles for them. But these are not our instructions because in, in Matthew 10, Jesus has not yet gone to the cross. Jesus has not yet died for the sins of the world. He, he hadn't been buried yet. He hadn't been raised from the dead yet. He hadn't proved that he had victory over death, proving that he was God. And so what they're doing here is, is he's sending them out to herald the message that the kingdom of God is at hand. He's saying, I'm Jesus, I'm the Messiah. You see, the Jewish people, they had long been awaiting the Messiah, and Jesus is sending them out to say, hey, I'm here. The Messiah is here. So when he sent them out here in Matthew 10, what we see is our sending out is in Matthew 28, the Great Commission, where he says, go into all the world and make disciples. So why is Jesus restricting where they go? What, what is Jesus really saying? I think he's saying this, and it's a principle. 
to reach the people you want to reach. You don't have to go buy that plane ticket and fly to the other side of the world. You don't have to go and wander around downtown Chicago or whatever city you're in as you're watching with us online right now and say, hey, 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 I'm just gonna, I'm gonna go around. I'm gonna... Start in your own backyard. The lost sheep of Israel. He's saying, go to the Jewish people, go to our people. Go to the people in our own neighborhoods that don't understand what this message is and begin with them. Simply put, Jesus is saying this, start in your own neighborhood. This whole sharing who God is, this whole relationship with Jesus, this whole transformational life thing, that my life has been transformed, therefore I want other people's lives to be transformed. Start down the street. And then, Matthew 28, we'll go into all the world. It's why Acts 1.8 says it like this. Acts 1.8 says that you're gonna receive the power of the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit's come upon you and you will be my witnesses and Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Well, why are these towns significant? Well, Jerusalem, it's where they were. He's saying, hey, go into all the world, but start in Naperville, Illinois. Start in Wheaton, Illinois. Start whatever town you're watching in right now. And then Judea and Samaria go to the nations and then to the ends of the earth, go to the whole world, but we start in our own backyard. I love how Eugene Peterson writes on this text. I'm going to share throughout the message several times Eugene Peterson's thoughts on this passage because he was a multiplier. He understood what it meant to not just be a disciple, but a disciple making disciple. He says it like this regarding this passage. Don't begin by traveling to some far off place to convert unbelievers. Don't try to be dramatic by tackling some public enemy. Go to the lost, confused people right here in the neighborhood. Hey, you want impact with your life? You want to make a difference? You want to have purpose with your life? This is the calling that God has for us. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you say you're a follower of Jesus, this idea of investing in other people and multiplying yourself into other people, it's not a great side hobby. It's the thing we do, and we have to be strategic about it. Not only are we strategic like Jesus was, investing in a few, investing deeply, sending them on a laser-focused mission, but we gotta be intentional. We gotta be intentional. That's our second marker. Intentional meaning the message was super clear. We're on a, on a mission. The mission I'm sending you on is extremely focused. Hey, so, so, so what are we gonna say to these people? I mean, what are we gonna proclaim? I mean, what's the word we're bringing to these towns? Verse seven. And proclaim as you go, saying the kingdom of God is at hand. And then do this, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You receive without pain, give without pay. Steve, I was kind of just planning to bring that like, you know, pre-made pre frozen dinner to my neighbor. That was kind of my strategy. What's this whole like healing people and raising people from the dead? Like I was just gonna start there. Hey, that's a great place to start. Why, why is it getting into this list? It's kind of an intense list. Well, there's this banner over it all. Proclaim. The kingdom of God is at hand. Uh, go and tell the people of Israel that just aren't getting it, that are confused, that are lost. The Messiah has come. And then heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. Now remember, I said, this isn't necessarily our sending out. Our sending out we see after Jesus was raised from the dead. Now apostles, 
If you see there in your Bible, the 12 apostles, hey, what's an apostle? Well, an apostle is somebody who actually would have seen with their own eyes in person the risen Christ. So an apostle is somebody after Jesus raised from the dead, man, they would have seen him in person. Trust me, he's real. He's back from the dead. Unless I'm seeing some things, Jesus lives. Again, that's an apostle. And so you and I are not necessarily apostles. So why is he telling them to do all of these physical healings for this reason? As he's proclaiming that the kingdom of God is at hand, they're authenticating this truth by performing miracles. Hey, I get into this town and like, great, the kingdom of God is, how do I know that you know that the kingdom of God is at hand? Well, let me show you as we heal. Let me show you as the sick become well. Let me show you as the dead come back to life. Hey, how do they have that power? Read it in verse one. In verse one in Matthew 10, it says that they were given all authority over the unclean spirits to cast them out that they had a special authority. Why? A special authority because they were authenticating that this message that I'm bringing to you is real. Let me prove it in the name of Jesus. That'll get their attention. But it's notable as we get into this that we see the same pattern over and over and over again as Jesus gets the word out. At High Point, we call it like this. We say we have a two-pronged strategy, and the strategy is to care and to share. If you've been around any length of time, maybe you've heard that phrase before. And here, once again, if you're wondering where we get it from, that we see over and over and over again as the message goes out that physical needs are being met. I love how John Maxwell puts it. He says this. People do not care how much you know until they know how much you care. People don't care how much knowledge you have of God. They don't care if you understand every single verse in this book until they know how much you actually care for them as a person. That's why this pathway for ministry multiplication, it starts with deep, intentional, real relationship, caring relationship. I love what's happening in our care centers. You you hear us talk about it all the time. I hope you're not sick of it because every time I hear a new story, I'm like, we got to tell that story. Look what God's doing. And some of my favorite stories is as the model in the care centers at all of our locations is that, that, that we're going to meet people in their time of physical need. Maybe it's financial or it's food. Maybe it's need for their babies. Maybe they got evicted from an apartment and they're going through a difficult time. And as we work together, and I'm so thankful for so many of you who give of your time and serve in the care centers and meet with people and you know their name and you know their story and you know their kids' names and what's going on in their life. That they don't just receive a check. They don't just receive a bag of food. They don't just receive diapers. That in the process of caring that we share, we insert the message. That's multiplication investing into other people. But but my favorite stories, my favorite stories in our care centers are the ones where somebody comes in in a time of need and they receive and they sit down and we hear their story and God begins to work and some needs uh, are being made and being met. And here's what happens. Six months, 18 months, two years later, they're back in the care center. And they're not back in the care center because they're back because they have another need. They're back because they go, hey, hey, the way that you poured into me, could could I do that? Could I do that for somebody else? Could I sit on the other side of the table, so to speak, and and just like you cared for me, could could I walk somebody else through through that? 
And the answer is yes. And they begin serving and using their gifts. And now they're pouring into people the way that they were once poured into. Do you see the vision? Do you see the vision that God has for our life? Think about it for a moment. Right now, if I were to ask you, who comes to mind when you think of who's invested in your life? I hope you have some names that immediately come to mind. Some teachers, some coaches, a parent, a family member, a pastor, a leader, a boss. I hope you have many names starting to come into your mind. But then let me ask you another question. What names come into your mind right now when I ask you, who are you pouring back into as you are poured into? Now what names are coming to mind? I hope it's many, but for some of us in this room, we might realize, man, I, I received from them and they met me in my time of need and, and they taught me the Bible and they led my growth group and they cared for my kids. And I don't have as many names in the second question. I don't have as many names coming to mind that's going like, yeah, I want to pour into them and I want to invest in them. I want to help them understand the Bible the way that they help me understand the Bible. I want to help them grow in their faith the way that this person helped me grow in my faith. You see, that story in the care center of coming in for need and the other side of the table now meeting the need, that's the vision of multiplication. That's the vision of discipleship and caring for people and sharing the gospel. And then we get this interesting line, you received without paying, give without pay. What's he saying? Now, it's a picture of, hey, hey, I didn't ask anything from you, for me, Jesus, to pour into you. Just go pour into them. The way that you've been blessed, go and bless. But there's actually a very practical application here as well as Jesus is sending them out. He wants to make sure that they're not misunderstood. He wants to make sure that their motives are pure. He wants to make sure, hey, don't go into this town and expect a bunch of stuff from people and they mix up what your motivation of bringing the message is. He's kind of saying like this, hey, don't be like one of those late night televangelists who goes, hey, for a gift of $1,000 or more, your whole life will be changed and transformed and all you need to do is send it to me and my ministry and I promise God will bless you. You ever skeptical of those people? Saying, hey, I don't want them to be skeptical of you. I don't want them to think your motivations are mixed up. And so don't worry about that. You'll, you'll be taken care of, but it's a tall order. I gotta be honest because you might think, well, good. At least he, he passed out some credit cards to them before they went so that they could you know, be taken care of. He didn't do that either. He's saying this. Jesus is saying, all you need for your journey, church, all you need for this journey of faith that you're on is reliance on God to be willing to be to be available, to trust the Lord, to step out in faith, and God will show up, and don't miss this, the people of God will show up. Sometimes we emphasize so much that, that God will show up that, that we miss the fact that what if God wants to show up in somebody's life through you? That you're the vehicle for God to show up and provide for somebody else. Now, I said that I would share with you after Jesus rose from the dead. What mission we're on today? I mean, what did Jesus say after he was resurrected? What's that mission? Well, we see it in John 20, 21. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. Hey, are we still on the sending thing? As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. 
after Jesus was raised from the dead. He goes, just like God, the Father, sent me, Jesus, to earth, I am sending you out into the world. We're talking about five markers of multiplication. And, and can I bring just a great word of encouragement to you? Does anybody need some encouragement today in church? Anybody, anybody? Your life is not about you. How encouraging is that? Did you know that? My life is not about me. My life is about what God wants to do in and through me and in and through you. It's not just to fill up our own brains and fill up our own hearts and create our little bubble where I got me and my Bible and Jesus and I'm good to go. It's not the vision. It's not what God has called us to do with our life. Let's look at another marker or a, or a guidepost of this ministry multiplication. The third is this, it's supernatural. I mean, how are they going out? I mean, he's not sending them with a whole lot. He's saying, hey, don't take any money from people. Just bring the message, verse nine. Hey, okay, so acquire no gold or silver or copper. Don't bring a bag with you. Don't bring extra clothes with you or sandals or a staff with you. Whew, Jesus, it's kind of a tall order here. I mean, I'm getting ready to head on the journey. I mean, could you, just, could you just help me out a little bit? I mean, Jesus is ignoring like the rule number one, two, and three of every mountain guide that has ever taken somebody on a hike and sent them out on a journey before, right? When I was in college, I used to lead some backpacking trips with, with high school students. And we'd go out for two weeks at a time into the woods and into the mountains. And what did we do every single time we took these students out? Well, they came an entire day early. And what would we do? We would lay everything out that we need. We'd get the clothes, we'd get the extra set of clothes. We'd get a little extra food in case something went bad. We made sure we had the batteries. We made sure, we had, we made sure everything was prepared. So is Jesus just being reckless here? Yeah, just get on a plane, go. I don't think Jesus is being reckless at all. When he says, hey, hey, don't bring extra money. Don't bring a bag filled with camping gear. Don't bring clothes. Don't bring, what's he saying? He's saying this. You don't need to do, do for this journey when I'm sending you out. Don't, don't go do a missions trip fundraiser. I'm going to provide. God is saying this. He's saying, hey, don't put all your camping gear in that bag. I will provide, but also the people of God will provide for you. In a moment, we're going to see, well, hey, if they're worthy, it means if they accept you, hey, they're, they're going to invite you in. The people of God are going to help meet your needs. They're going to show you hospitality on your journey. So don't miss it, church. Hey, apostles. Hey, High Point Church. We're on a supernatural mission. And a supernatural mission means that it's not necessarily going to make sense. All the things that we think we would need from the world in order to go and get this message out. Remember, he started with 12. That makes no sense. It's supernatural. And it's supernatural, and the power is found in the presence of God and the provision of other believers. In the presence of God and the provision of other believers. Let me say it one more time. Is it possible that we say, God will provide? that we get off mission and we forget that maybe God wants to provide for somebody else through you, that you're the vehicle, 
that you're the one he's sending. Let me share what Eugene Peterson has to say on this one. Don't think you have to put on a fundraising campaign before you start. You don't need a lot of equipment. You are the equipment. You're are all, and all you need to keep, and all you need to keep that going is three meals a day. And then I love, I love this. Travel light. Travel light. It's dependence on the Lord. When you enter a town or village, don't insist on staying at a luxury inn. Get a modest place with some modest people and be content there until you leave. I love that, church. You are the equipment. Do you know that you are the tools in God's toolbox to invest in other people where multiplication takes place from person to person, from generation to generation, and you are sitting here as a result of other people making generations of investment in people. It's our turn. It's our turn. It's our turn to invest. It's our generation to start investing in the next generation. You don't need a master's degree in the Bible. You don't need a pile full of resources. I know sometimes you think you do. The people of God fulfill our purpose. We fulfill our purpose when we proclaim the message of God. Let me just ask you, have you ever, maybe you're in this place right now where you're going like, what's the purpose of life? What, what are we doing here? I mean, maybe you're in the place where you're like, I have a relationship with Jesus, I'm connected with God, but, uh, but I, I'm just, I'm not quite sure what I'm supposed to be doing in this world. Do I just like go to work every day and come home and cook dinner and watch a show or see a friend and go to bed and hit repeat? I mean, that's what most people in this world are doing. What's the, what's the purpose in this world? Hey, if that's you, and you're feeling that way, let me just say, it's okay. We're on this journey together. But here's the word that I believe God is giving us in Matthew chapter 10 today. Maybe, just maybe, some of us have received the message, but we've missed the mission. Some of us have received the message that Jesus Christ transforms lives and he changed us and we received that and he transformed us. But we missed that he has us on a mission, that it didn't end at receiving the message, that the true Christian life, the true purpose that's found in life, the true joy that's found in life, uh, the true meaning that's found in life is when we step out in faith and we go, God, I am on a mission to get this message to the world around me, to my circle of influence. Francis Chan wrote a book called Multiply, and he talks about disciple-making disciples. He says, we reduce discipleship to a canned program. And so many in the church end up sidelined in a spectator mentality that delegates disciple making to pastors and professionals, ministers and missionaries. But this is not the way it's supposed to be. None of us is beyond the task of missions. He's not saying across the world, he's saying even in our neighborhood. The question is not whether or not we will be working to spread the gospel around the world, but what our role is will play, what our role would be to play in this. Two more markers. The fourth one is this. Hey, hey what, what marks us as multiplying ministry and multiplying people, investing in others? Well, just remember it's spiritual. 
Now, I'm so glad that this is in the text. We're going to verse 12 because I think it brought some comfort to the disciples. And I think it brings some comfort to me because maybe you're like me and you're like, well, good for them. The apostles had, like, they got to be with Jesus in person, hang out with him. Like, of course they should go and do all that stuff. I don't know if I have that. I don't know if I'm equipped. Like, I, I don't know if I know how to do that. I don't know if I have what it takes. But Jesus reminds us in verse 12 that this is a spiritual journey that we're on. And here's what that means. What that means is you and I are not responsible for the transformation. Praise the Lord. We're responsible for sending the message. God's responsible for the life change. As you enter the house, verse 12, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it's not worthy, let your peace return to you. Now notice it leads with peace in both times. So what is Jesus saying? Well, Jesus is commissioning his people. And I think he's saying this, you know, go, go, go shout at the people that disagree with you. Fire back that tweet on Twitter. Be mad at the mayor and go down and pick at the governor's mansion and pick apart everything the president says in the name of Jesus. Go. Oh, no, it. Okay, no, it didn't say that. It actually didn't say that. Now, I'm not saying there's not room in our world for passionate dialogue and discourse and advocacy for policy, but I'm saying this. It's not our primary mission. It's not our primary mission that in our day and age, here's what we can get sucked into. Church, don't get sucked into it that the loudest voice wins. The loudest voice wins. It's a lie, church. And at times, like, hear, hear my heart. I think if we're not careful, we can come across as red-faced, pounding our fist, angry, screaming at people, Jesus loves you and has grace for you. Really? Does he have grace for you? Because you seem kind of angry. Peace. And it's interesting. But if it is not worthy, meaning worthy just meaning they don't receive you. And can I remind you today, they're not really not receiving you. They're not receiving the message. If they don't receive the message, let your peace return to you. You have the peace of God within you. It's called the Holy Spirit. Church, we're not here to be in a debate tournament with the world. Let the peace return to you. Yes, I know that the world is swirling. I know that there's a lot going on. I know we need to stand up for justice as followers of Jesus Christ. I know we need to denounce persecution anywhere where we see it in the world, but our job is to bring a message wrapped in peace and grace. Warren Wearsby says it like this, the work of salvation could be accomplished only by Jesus Christ. And he did it alone. But the witness of this salvation could only be accomplished by his people. The witness is our job. Over the last couple weeks, it's been amazing to see. I mean, I'm just so proud of our church, of so many people stepping up to the call to say, I'm on mission 
and I'm ready to multiply myself and multiply the ministry. We've had 300 leaders across all of our locations go through our new Lead 101 training. It's just been awesome. And spending time together and dialoguing and getting in the word, why? Why are people taking their time out of their busy schedules? Because they're saying, I want to be a part of this spiritual multiplication thing. Can you train me? I want to invest. I want to be a growth group leader where I get my 12 and I raise them up and, and I invest myself in them. And then what happens, by the way? They end up investing themselves in me because there's a mutual exchange of ministry that takes place and we're growing in the Lord. This month we've been asking the question hey, are you in? Hey, I'm in. Into what? I'm into to putting my stake in the ground and being like, I'm committed to being on this mission. I'm going to find a place to serve and use my gifts. I'm going to be on mission in my neighborhood. I'm going to get into a growth group. Maybe you're hearing this message today and the reality is you're like, man, I've been in a growth group for a long time. And the reality, you're hearing this message and you're going, today's my day to step up and say, it's time for me to start leading a growth group. It's time for me to start investing myself into other people. If you're wondering, hey, I... I don't know where to do that or I don't know where to serve. Well, one, stop by on the way out in the lobby today. But equally important, can I say, get back here tonight for Vision Night because we're talking about where we're going and how you can connect, how you can find a place to serve if you're not already, how you can grow in your leadership and discipleship. Let's just remember that the mission is multiplication. And this multiplication thing, it's a spiritual activity. Last thought as we close today. Verse 14, multiplication is measurable. Now this is one of my favorite parts of the text. I like to quote this one a lot, probably out of context. But verse 14, it says this. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, what does it say? Shake the dust, man. Shake the dust off those sandals. Move on to the next town. What does he mean by shake the dust? Remember, God's the one who can't transforms. He's saying this, on this mission that we're on, it's not gonna be an easy mission. Not everybody that you bring the message to is going to receive you. And it's gonna be difficult and some people might actually be against you. Now, let me give a disclaimer here. We don't get to shake the dust against the people of God. Well, what the passage is saying is saying when you go and they don't receive the message, hey, it's okay. Let your peace return to you. Move on to the next town. Move on to the next house. But what happens, church, is too often we like to take this and we disagree with how somebody is living their life and that's a believer or we disagree with a, with a, a, a tertiary idea of theology or interpretation of something in the Bible and then we go, I'm gonna shake the dust against you. I think you're wrong. We don't get to do that. We are the people of God. We say, hey, don't, don't, don't let it beat you up all day emotionally. Don't let it go on. Keep spreading the message. And then it ends. I'm sending you out as sheep into the midst of wolves. Now, I said it was measurable. Multiplication is measurable. Well, how? Well, I think this, we know how many disciples were discipling? I asked you the question earlier, how many people are you investing your life into? 
that we would know. I mean, I'm intrigued. Like when the apostles went out, do you think they like, do you think they kept like a tally card? I don't know. But I bet as they went to the next town, they knew, oh man, 10 people got it in that town. They got the message, the kingdom of God is at hand. Man, those three over there, they, they ran us out of town like wolves chasing after sheep. The gospel is a verbal transaction. And as we share the gospel, we know if a heart's ready to receive or if we just have to shake the dust sometimes and go, it, it, it's not my job to change their heart. It's my job to herald the message. Here's also why I know that multiplication is measurable. Jesus sent out 12 apostles. All these years later, 2.5 billion people around the world claim the name of Jesus as a Christian. Jesus sent 12. Now, I don't pretend to know how many of those people are actually living on mission or truly living their life out on purpose for God. But I know this, that you and me are sitting here today as a result of generations of people investing in somebody who invested in somebody who invested in somebody, church. It's our time. It's our time to invest in others. I want to ask you to stand as we prepare to respond to God's word. Over the last couple of years, I've been able to be a part of a thing in our church we haven't talked about it a lot, but it was called the Multiply Cohort. And we've put over 200 leaders through this cohort in smaller groups over a couple years with the purpose of asking the question, how can we be spiritually on mission to multiply this movement that God is doing? That was the whole purpose. I mean, how can I live a life of legacy? How can I live a life of investing in other people and making disciples? And as we sent out those 200 people back to their locations, back to their campuses, back to their ministries, back to their growth groups, we read one thing over them. It's a commissioning of sorts, and I want to read it over you right now. We're actually going to have these at the door on the way out. The ushers will have them, and I encourage you that if God is pricking your heart today, that, that, that it's time to stop making it all about just the things of my life and it's time to start investing in other people. And I know so many of you are. Keep going. Would you just put this on your dashboard or put this on your mirror when you're getting ready in the morning? Put this in your Bible or, or put this in your kitchen on the fridge. This is the calling that we're stepping up to. I am part of the fellowship of the unashamed. The die has been cast. I've stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away or be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. My future is secure. I am finished and done with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, Colorless dreams, chintzy giving, and dwarfed goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, plaudits, or popularity. I now live by presence, lean by faith, love by patience, lift by prayer, and labor by power. My pace is set, my gate is fast, my goal is heaven, my road is narrow, my way is rough. My companions few, my guide reliable, my mission is clear. I cannot be bought, 
Compromised, deterred, lured away, turned back, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of adversity, negotiate at the table of the enemy, ponder at the pool of popularity, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I am a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. I must go until heaven returns, give until I drop, preach until all I know, work until he comes, and when he comes to get his own, he will have no problem recognizing me because my colors will be clear. Come on, church. Praise God.